You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. So this morning we uh, we have a great privilege to uh, hear from a friend of ours from Mana House. I just want to give you a little uh, background before I have Daryl come up, Pastor Daryl Corbin, but um, we... We've been connecting since really 1986 with a church, and at the time, I believe that church was called Bible Temple, and uh, Pastor Tom Wells, who started our church, started connecting over in Portland, Oregon with this church, and soon after that, that church started a fellowship of churches called MFI, Ministers Fellowship International, which we've been a part of since really its inception in like 87. And that church that started it um, was called, it's, it had a few names since then, City Bible, and now it's changed its name to Mana House. I think you've probably heard me mention Mana House Church a few times here or there. But we've had a connection to this church literally for over 30 years now. And um, the more that I get connected with people from there, it's incredible to meet family and like-minded people from 3,000 miles away. And their heart for the kingdom, their heart for church, their heart for people, it, it just resonates with our heart. And so just a couple years ago, I, I was connecting with Mark Estes, which is their uh, lead pastor there. And, and we just kind of started connecting over the phone, actually. And, you know, I, I, always, I was saying to these guys, I was really just astonished he gave me the time of day. But he just spent a lot of time with me and talking me through uh, just leading and even transitioning and just different ways and different things that we were trying to do here. He was really helpful. And so we got connected, and he kind of invited us in to join what they call the Mana House Global Family. And so we started going to a couple of their gatherings uh, a couple times a year. And it was not this October, but the October of 2019. We went to uh, our first you know, family gathering. They call it Mana House Family. Uh, we went to the first family gathering, and in, in a sense, I'll be honest, I kind of felt a little outsider. I just, you know, I'm, I was, we weren't sent out from there, and it was mostly churches that had been planted by Mana House, even though we've had connection. And I sat in a room, and actually Daryl was the one that spoke that morning, and they just kind of shared their heart for why do we want to gather? Why do we want to gather churches together um, to accomplish purpose, to accomplish church planning, to to see the kingdom of God come. And I wa- I remember leaving that and going out to our, our rental, and I was sitting with Justin, and I, I literally cried in the car. Like, cried. Because I was so overwhelmed by the fact that God was connecting us with someone who was so like family. It wasn't just in words. I've been to lots of pastoral conferences and lots lots of Christian conferences and you kind of just can easily just become one in a crowd of many and it doesn't really you know connect you relationally well we found family that day and so since then we made plans like hey I want you guys to come to Messina I want my, my family to feel what I felt meeting you guys and getting to know you and so we made plans for last March, and uh, yeah, we all know what happened. Um, and so since then, we've just been keeping our eyes on, you know, the dates and timelines and seeing when travel would be possible. And so um, it was awesome. Daryl Corbin and Seth Sokoloff, also a great friend now, 
um, were able to come up for this week, spend some time with some leaders. We had tons of discussions. I'm almost losing my voice from talking so much. Um, but it's been an incredible weekend, and now we get to receive from Daryl. I'll let you kind of introduce your life a little bit, but Daryl, come on up. Why don't we welcome him this morning? We're so thankful to hear from you and want to receive everything God has. It is true. I, I feel like family, and uh, the fact that he admitted to crying after listening to me speak is uh, something that um, is um, potentially... Um, uh, embarrassing and, uh, and, and humbling all at the same time. I'm going to take it in a good way. I, don't, um, I hope I don't make you all cry today. That's the bottom line. Now, what a, what a privilege to be here um, and, uh, and just be able to, to share the word. I have to be honest with you, um, if you have been here over the weekend, you've listened to me talk more than you probably should, and I am so grateful. Man, we've had an amazing time with, uh, with some leaders just to talk about the subject of church planting and uh, kingdom expansion, and it has been rich, and it has been deep, and what a privilege um, to be able to be here. I also, I, I have to say that um, my, my journey since 1992 with the church that I'm now the executive pastor of is a, um, a journey that's been filled with moments of interaction, reference, and relationship to NTC and Messina. You might Never have known me, but I've known you for many years. I went to Portland Bible College as a, as a student in 1992, and uh, some of my good friends while I was in college came from this church, Adam Avery and Michael Giroux and uh, Jeremy Kahn. These are all friends of mine, and uh, so it's just honestly unbelievable to be here. Uh, Tom Wells came through many times and Don Curry, and I just got to know uh, some of the leaders of this house and always heard of what God was doing in the North Country uh, in upstate New York. And so to be here is kind of surreal to me, to be honest with you. It just, it feels a little bit like coming home into a place that influenced me and you probably didn't even know it. But your heart for church planting, your heart for uh, seeing the kingdom of God expand touched my life and gave me a sense of confidence that God could do the impossible. And so as I graduated from college, I married my beautiful wife uh, 25 years ago almost, and we went out and planted a church. And it was part of the seed that I just felt those relationships just stir in me. So I just have to say today, NTC Messina, thank you. Thank you for your investment uh, in, in, uh, in people's lives and the influence that impacted people far beyond um, who you maybe even thought possible. So man, I'm privileged to be here today. As um, Pastor Greg mentioned, my name is Daryl and come from uh, Manor House and man, Julie's sitting over here to my right and, and uh, your left and, and just um, a church that she was born and raised in and, and uh, what, a, what a great um, thing to just be here and even reconnect here. And so, man, what a, what a great thing. Today, I want to share a word with you that I'm just going to define as devoted, devoted. If you could just kind of dial into that word for a few minutes with me here this morning and just stop and consider the word devoted and its implications to your life. Um, I, think the God, I think that God's got something to say to us today. I really do. I, I, I feel like there's a, a word that the Lord actually stirred in me first for our own church about who Manna House is called to be. But when I come into certain settings like this and I realize we're family, I, I realize it's not just a word for our church, but it's a word for this house. Uh, it's a word about who you are. 
It's a, it's a word about who you're becoming, and it's, by the way, a word about people who are not yet here, and churches that have not yet been founded out of here. There's something about the word devoted that's so key to the culture and the life of a church that God can really use, and it's founded in this, this concept of, of being devoted. And, and there's three kind of key scriptures that I want to look at this morning, and, and the first one is actually uh, Psalms 127, and then we're going to jump to Luke 10, and we're going to land in a reference to Acts chapter 2, because Acts chapter 2 really is, is where we're going to pick up that word devoted. So even though I'm saying this is a, a word about being devoted, I, I might not really get to it till the very end uh, in, in Acts chapter 2. But the bottom line is this, that, that um, God's calling us to be a particular kind of people. God's calling this house, NTC, to, I believe, in our family, be a particular kind of people, a particular kind of church. And and it's a, a devoted church. And where this word started in me was in February of 2019. It's actually um, two years ago this very month. I was standing in a Sunday evening prayer meeting. And as I was standing in one of our properties, we have five different locations in the Portland um, area uh, right outside and of, of the, the metro area. We've got some campuses. And I was standing in one of the locations in Washington State and it was a Sunday night, and as we were praying, I saw the roof of the building retract. And I, 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 I think it would be cool if we had buildings that did that, but we don't. But that, that particular night, I saw the roof of the building retract, and I saw a quiver full of arrows extend above the roof line. And I, I saw the hand of the Lord come and begin to extract arrows from the quiver and shoot them literally around the world. And I saw it, and it was, a, it was a prophetic moment, and I began to ask the Lord, God, what are you saying to me? And I heard the Lord say, I've made you, and I've made this house to be an arrow factory. I've made this house to be an arrow factory. And immediately I went to Psalms 127, and I realized this, I believe, in the 21st century is a prophetic word um, that, that could be applicable to the church as capital C Church around the world, but... I honestly believe it's something unique for our family. Manor House, I believe it's for NTC. I believe our unique calling is to be a, a people whose houses are places called arrow factories. Psalms 127 verse 4 and 5 says this. I'll put it on the screen for you just so you can follow along with me. It says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. And psalmist is, is writing, and we always take this portion of Scripture and apply it to, to family relationships. We talk about the home and the mother and the father shaping their young sons and daughters to be arrows that are shot out, and they reach their destiny, and they reach their purpose. But I, I want you to stop and think about not a natural home. I want you to think about a spiritual home. I want you to think about the church as a family. I want you to think about the fact that we're named by one name, our Heavenly Father, and we come under that name and the Lordship of Jesus, and we're brought into a family. We relate as brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers here in this house, and God is doing something in this place. And God wants us to think through a particular lens, and, and I realize that in this verse, there's something that really is, is applicable to the church, that sons and daughters that are raised in the house are are equal to or likened unto to arrows. The house could be 
my natural family. I've been married for 25 years, and I've got three kids, but I've also been pastoring for many years and, and tons of spiritual children. But whatever house I'm in, those sons and daughters are being raised up for a particular purpose. And I want you to know something today, that if you're here, you're not here just simply to attend church. You're actually called to be the church assembled. You are the church. You're being crafted as an arrow in the hand of the Lord for a particular purpose. And in this particular verse, you find that a house is blessed or it's, it's happy. It reaches its full potential when they train the arrows to be shot and to hit the mark for their life. And the very last portion of this verse tells me that victory in battle comes because, man, we all understand our purpose. We understand why we're together and we become an arrow factory. As I started to think about this, I, I, I just put a simple statement together that I'll just put on the screen. It's simply this. The church is like a quiver filled with arrows that are made to hit the target. And I, I want to put that word into your spirit today, that you are an arrow in the hand of the Lord. Some of you are shot into your own home to be a mother or a father. Some are business people. Some are, are educators, your, your, your owners, your, your neighbors. Whatever God um, has called you to do and wherever you're placed, you're shot there by the purpose of God for the sake of victory in warfare. There is something that God is doing, I believe, in the church today in the house of God to remind us this place is like a factory. And, and when we think about a factory, we think about what it produces. The family is to be an arrow factory. The church is to be an arrow factory, a factory that, that um, denotes work and process and assembly and transformation. I believe, man, that God wants to give us a new set of lenses about the church that Jesus is building. He wants to remind us that this is a house equal to a factory. As I pondered and I, I thought about this, I, I thought, Lord, where, where in the scriptures in your life, in the life of Jesus, could I see the process and the journey of arrows being shot out? Where, where could I find a parallel in the New Testament? And I immediately thought of Luke chapter 10. And uh, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus chose 72 other disciples, and another portion of Scripture that I think lends to this idea of the church being an arrow factory, it, it says that the Lord chose 72 other disciples, and he sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places that he planned to visit. And these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers or the arrows are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers to launch more arrows into his field. And go and remember that I am the one who's sending you his lambs among wolves. Now, if you think about Jesus and his life, he'd been working for a number of years with these disciples that he'd called to himself. And here you find not only the 12, but you find a larger group of 72 and he'd been teaching, and he'd been training, and I, I liken it to an arrow factory. He'd been putting certain truths in them, and at one point, they were just a sapling that he walked by and cut away from a tree, and he did that as he called the disciples to himself, and we'll look at that in just a minute, but he called them to himself, and he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, and what did he do? He, he peeled the bark, and he, he, he actually made and 
and precisely worked on each of their lives by his words and his teaching and his rebukes and, and the meals and the laughter and everything they did as they lived together as a family. And then I can, I can almost picture it in the mind of Jesus. He knows his time is coming to an end. And he said, man, I, I, need, to, I need a test run here. I need to see if these arrows will actually work, if they can live out the purpose that I've called them to. And so I'm going to give them a shot at this, and I'm going to see what the end result looks like. It's kind of like a test in college. It's, it's like a, a pop quiz, if you will, that shows up one day. You didn't know you were going to take it, but he'd been envisioning, he'd been shaping, he'd been crafting, he'd been preparing and collecting, and now he's going to give a little bit of a launch and just see whether this is going to work. I think the whole time that his ministry was unfolding, Jesus was actually looking through the lens of an arrow factory. When he called Peter, he didn't call Peter and say, man, just kind of hang out around me because I, I, I need some, some homies to live life with. He said, no, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And by the way, when he observed Peter's life, he didn't look at Peter through the lens of everything that was wrong. He looked at Peter's life through the lens of, of everything that was right in him. Peter, you have the potential to be shot into the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and to preach and to see thousands of people converted. Peter, I know you just cut that soldier's ear off, but I'm going to put it back on. Peter, stop doing that and do this because this is what I've called you to do. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty thrilled that Christ deals with me in the context of an arrow factory. He doesn't break the stick and throw it away. He bends the stick and he meticulously works on the stick to get it straight and ready and sharp and accurate. And man, he uses, he uses friends and he uses pastors and he uses leaders and he uses spiritual moms and dads. I... Um, my wife and I started a church. We were arrows shot out of Manor House in 92 to plant a church, and I, I wasn't ready. I was 24 years old. Can you imagine? Um, dumbest decision I ever made in my life, and it was also the smartest decision. My wife was 22, and one of my favorite people in our church was a lady named Linda Wilcox. She was like a spiritual mom to me. I was in a meeting one day, and I was I was kind of sharing some vision and some heart, and she lifted her hand and shared an idea. And I said, you know, I don't really like ideas very much. They're... I made some kind of off-the-cuff comment and kind of dismissed her, and she raised her hand and said, I don't like that very much. <laughs> I said, well, you don't have to like it. And she said, no, you don't understand. And she, she actually refuted me, and she kind of rebuked me. And I'll tell you, I needed rebuking. I didn't know how to build team. I didn't know how to work together in an arrow factory context. And she was like a spiritual mama that gave me a spanking that day. If you're, if you're a no-spank family, I'm sorry. She, she put me in a timeout. She, she, she did something other. <laughs> she said, I'll show you arrow factory. She grabbed that stick and... How many, how many are grateful that, that we're on a journey and the Lord uses people? He uses uh, maturity. He uses the scriptures. He uses the Holy Spirit. He uses prophetic presbytery. He uses all kinds of things to shape us over the course of years. Why? Because he, he's envisioning something for us. 
And I believe the house of God and the family of God should be a place where people come in contact with, with a conviction that we love each other and we see in each other beyond where we're at right now. We see the sharpening work of the Lord in each other's life. I don't, I don't care if you're here today for the very first time or you're online and you're just tuning in maybe for the first time and you're thinking, man, I don't even really know what he's talking about. I'm talking about the calling of God in your life. And I'm talking about the fact that the Lord places the solitary in families for shaping and for mobilization and for deployment into the call of God for each and every one of our lives. And I think that what I find when I look at this verse in Luke 10 is I find three powerful qualities of the arrow factory that Jesus had built. Three powerful qualities that were in his mindset and the way that he operated that I believe need to be in the mindset of every church that says, I, 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 I want to be that kind of a people. And, and here, here are the three qualities in just kind of an overview. It's three simple things. It's a, a sense of personal calling. It's a mission mindset. And it's an unwavering devotion. And I'm going to just kind of give a few thoughts to each one of those. The first one is just a sense of personal calling. A sense of personal calling. Listen to this. In Luke chapter 10, this is what Jesus had said. The Lord chose 72 other disciples. The Lord chose but they had already submitted themselves as disciples. The qualities of those who are chosen by God, it always begins with a sense of calling. Always begins with a sense of calling. The scripture said in Matthew 22, many are called, but few are chosen. What is the difference between being called and being chosen, a, a sense of personal calling it, is, it has everything to do with the mindset of those who hear the call of Christ in their life. If, if I am called by God, I, I hear a general sense of, of God saying, man, come home, first of all. You're far from God. Man, it happened for me when I was a young boy. I was in a church service and communion was being passed and I, I felt the Spirit of God come on me and convict me of my sin. The Holy Spirit was calling me and that first step of response is a response to say, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. But the Lord doesn't stop calling. He says, no, I want, I want more. I want to call you into a deeper relationship. I want to call you into freedom. I want to call you into areas of submission in your life. And by the way, I'm going to take you on a journey and make you an arrow in my family. In, in this particular verse, Jesus said, I, I, I've chosen 72. Just put this simple verse up here. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Just the next verse. The Lord chose 72 other disciples. The word disciple is the word student or learner or pupil or follower. The Lord chose people who, after having been called, had decided to submit and say, now I'm going to submit to the process, not, not just the attendance, not just the class, but I want to go on the journey of becoming who you've called me to be. This is the beginning of being an arrow factory. It's people who say, I don't want to just attend church, man. I'm going to be the church. 
I'm going to become who God has called me to be. You've got to understand that the context of, of Jewish learning was, was rabbi and Talmudin. That's what a disciple was, a Talmudin. It was a student who had responded to a rabbi's call, come and follow me. And they followed in, in proximity, they followed in education, and they followed in lifestyle. And what Jesus calls us into is, is proximity. Come near. I want to I save you. I want to redeem you. But I'm going to reframe your thinking. I'm going to reshape your thinking. And then I want you to live out the life that I'm calling you to live. And these are the, the things that Jesus calls us to. He, he calls us into a life of discipleship. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, I'm just going to put this uh, verse on the screen. Matthew chapter 4, you actually find Jesus calling uh, the disciples to himself. And listen to what he said. He said, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. For they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come, follow me. Notice, come was proximity. Follow me, which was, was really about observing his ways and learning from him. And then he said, I'm going to ask you to then, uh, as you learn, go start fishing for men, which means do the things that I did. These are the, the qualities of discipleship. And they left their nets at once and followed him. <laughs> the call that goes out to each and every one of us it's not just a salvation call to come near in proximity. It's a call to become arrows in the hand of the Lord. I will make you a fisher of men. I will make you into an arrow. I will transform your life for a purpose. Man, like never before, church, I, I, I think God's calling us as a house to be ready, to be an instrument in his hand and to respond as disciples, to respond as Talmudine. To do what? To, to be with Jesus. To be with him. I'm so thankful for the tone and the spirit of the worship service this morning. I think there was a heart cry in the spirit in this room. Just come near. Just come near. There's freedom in my presence. There's joy in my presence. Just come, come and be with him. And the cry of Jesus' heart, by the way, is exactly that. It's an invitation to be with, to observe, to watch, to look upon, to observe everything that Jesus is and, and to allow that to begin to work in our life so that, secondly, we can become like him. So that we can become like him. That is the journey of, of transformation that he takes us on. And I'm so thankful that today I am not I am not the same man I was two years ago. I'm so thankful that the Lord is continuing to work by his grace. And you know what I've realized? Is if I keep submitting myself in proximity to be with him and to become like him, he continues to work on my life and his purpose through my life continues to grow and enlarge and expand. Come on, the influence becomes greater. Why? Because he has intention for my life. I become like him ultimately to do the things that he did, to do the things 
that he did. And can I tell you today that he even promised that we would do greater works? Come on, greater works because, because uh, we're, we're actually covering the earth. Jesus could be in one place. Come on, but we can be in, in many places. You're called to reach the north country. You're called to reach Uganda. You're called to stretch outside your limits as a church and do the things Jesus did. This is the first mindset that we've got to have as followers of Jesus is a sense of personal calling. But the second mindset is a mindset that says, I'm on mission. I've got to have a mission mindset. I want you to know today, it doesn't matter whether you're a teacher. Come on, whether you're a business person or retired, there's a calling, come on, that's on your life, and we've got to simply respond, and the response is, I want to be with you, I want to become like you, and I want to do the things that you did. But then he begins to work a mission mindset in us. The mission mindset, how do you know you're becoming like Christ? How do you know his work is working in your life? Our mindset begins to shift. I'm no longer a banker who gets through the day so that I can get home and get back to real life again. Banking is kingdom life. I don't, I don't teach so that I can get back to what I love. Come on, if you're an educator today, I want you to know you've been shot there as an arrow by the hand of the Lord. A mission mindset changes everything. A mission mindset is a, a mindset that says wherever I am, I'm there representing the Christ that I serve. And a mission mindset shows up in Luke chapter 10. This is what it looks like. <laughs> the mindset of Jesus as he sent those 72 was, first of all, a mindset that said there is more. There is more. COVID has been a, a restrictor that settled down over people's minds. But I want to prophesy to you today, and I want to put into your spirit, church, that there is more. COVID is not a restrictor of the kingdom. It might be a seasonal need to pull in for the sake of physical health, but nothing can stop the advancement of the purpose of God except those who will not allow their minds to be enlarged by the purpose of God to see the potential. Lift up your eyes. And see the harvest. It's white. Pray that the Lord would send workers into the harvest. The, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. When, when Jesus called the 72, he said, I'm going to send you into the towns and the places. Those, those two words have a really unique um, uh, dynamic to them. One has to do with small municipalities, and the other one has to do with larger regions. I even believe this is a prophetic word to you today, that you're going to reach small towns and you're going to reach, reach large regions. And Jesus sent the 72 into those places. And by the way, he said, I'm going to send you ahead into, into places I plan to visit. And when you get to one, start praying for the next. And when you get to the next, start praying for the next. The, the mission mindset is always looking at the next. It's always seen what's beyond where we are right now. The ground we've, we've taken, NTC, it's a great beginning point, but you're not done yet. Can I say this again? NTC, you're not done yet. 
There's more. I want you to say there's more. Come on, say it again. There's more. There's more cities. Come on. There are more businesses. There are more neighborhoods. Come on. There's more money to be made in the business realm to fund missions and church planting. There's more. There's more. There's more, there's more, there's more. A mission mindset says, God, I'm not, I'm not satisfied. I am content, but I'm not satisfied. There's more. Where, where, did, where does a mission mindset come from? It comes from being with Jesus. If, if I'm with COVID, I'm going to have a restricted mindset. If I'm with Fox News, if I'm with CNN, if I'm, if I'm just constantly listening to the voice of the world, my world's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. But when I'm with Jesus, my mindset gets larger and larger and larger. I start thinking about eternity. I've got a daughter right now. She's 21. She's got brain cancer. And I am telling you, you start thinking about what really matters when you've got, when you've got a child who's, who's got a sickness unto death. You start realizing, I, I can't just think about what's in front of me. i got to begin to declare a promise that's, that's outside of this world system. Everybody say, there's more. There's more. The second mindset is simply this. That's ours. There's more is a general term, but that's ours, starts to lay claim to the promise of God that's in front of me, that, that's been prophesied, that's been declared. There are cities where churches are not yet planted. Come on, there are children that need to be adopted. Come on, well, you begin to realize, man, that's ours. There's something that God is calling me to. And when I take a map and begin to draw lines around cities or I begin to take responsibility for foster kids or I begin to step out and, and, and consider ways to problem solve as a manager in a company that, uh, that somebody else knows, I begin to take responsibility for where I'm at knowing that there is more but this is now my realm of responsibility. These are towns that Jesus sent people to and he said, I'm going to send you ahead in pairs to towns and places that, that I'm planning to visit. It's a sphere that I'm giving to you. I'm giving you responsibility for it. Go preach the gospel. I, I want you to know that we've got to begin to get comfortable with the sphere that God has placed us in. Your neighborhood. Walk out your front door. Look at five houses across the street and two houses on each side and draw a line around it and say, that's mine. Those people are mine. You're an educator. Go into the classroom and say, this is mine. It's a place that Jesus plans to visit. The third mindset is simply this, and this is where we're going to land today. The third mindset is simply this. It's, it's wild, but it's worth it. It's wild, but it's worth it. Come on, living living. Living, first of all, with a sense of personal calling, it's kind of crazy because people wonder, why did you leave your net? Why, why, why are you following Christ? Why are you spending time with him? Why have you shifted your life? You look like one of those crazy charismatic. Are you kidding me? You speak in tongues? Yes, I speak in tongues. <laughs> yes, we contend for healing. 
Yes, I, I serve in the house of God. There's something that's shifted in me. I've responded to a personal calling. I want to be with Jesus. I want to become like him. I want to do the things that he did. Well, as you're with him, he starts to change your mindset, and he starts to shift your thinking, and you realize, man, there's more, and, and that's ours. And it's kind of wild and crazy, but it's worth it. God asks you to do crazy things. I remember right after my wife and I got married, we were sitting in a, a Sunday night service at our church back when we used to have those. And, and uh, we were sitting in a Sunday, and, and there was a vision coming alive in our church for a new property. And, and our pastor at the time, Pastor Frank, took a baby buggy of all things. He, he's just feeling prophetic. He walked up the aisle, and somebody had a, um, a just a, baby buggy, and he, he took it, and he said, we're birthing a vision here tonight. It was a crazy, crazy moment, and he brought it up front, and he said, if you want to give to the birth of a new facility and a ministry in the downtown core of our city, I want you to respond right now, and my wife and I looked at each other, and we had set aside $500. It was hard made, but we'd just been married a matter of weeks, and in this special account is a little savings moment. We had $500, and we wrote that in a check and carried it up in front because it's, it's wild to serve God. You push out borders, and, and you say, I'm going to try something new. You walk into a grocery store, and you, you get a, a sense of, of a heart pull towards somebody across the room, and, and you know, you think God is speaking to you, and you have a sense that that they need a miracle in their life, so you go. You go into the wild. You say, man, I just feel drawn to you. Do, you. do you have a back problem? And as they turn around and say yes, you pray for them, and miracles come in the grocery store. You give unusual offerings. You, you pray for your students and believe for miracles. When, when you live with a mission mindset, you do crazy things. But I want you to know something about the mission mindset. Jesus said, I'm going to send you as workers into the field and lambs into the wolves. That's how Jesus describes the life that we're called to live. The mission mindset. Workers into the field. I, I live in a more a realm of, of city life where I live now, but I grew up in a town of 900 people on a farm. And, and it always makes me laugh when I'm in the city and we talk about harvest and everybody gets excited. Oh, it's harvest time. I'm thinking that's the hardest time of the year. Like, you don't know it's sun up till sundown after sundown and you barely get some sleep and get up and go at it again. Like that's the hardest. I want you to know it's wild working in the harvest. It is hard work. But God's called us to hard work because it's an eternal work. He said, I'm going to send you as lambs among wolves, which certainly represents unsafe territory, risky territory. I'm going to go to places where there's danger and there's opportunity, but he's promised to set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I want you to know, come on, it is wild, but it's worth it. And I, I'm just here to put it into your spirit today that he has called you, even as he called Peter and Andrew to himself, he's called you to be Talmudine. He's called you to be a disciple, not not 
just simply to be comfortable, but to shift your mindset. And in shifting your mindset, it's going to take a sense of personal devotion that simply says, God, here I am. Here I am. And, and, and as you say, here I am, there's no end to what the Lord will do with this place. Come on. Do you believe today there's more? Come on. Do you believe there's more? There's more for you even today. It came out in the worship service, and I believe it's here again. Lift your eyes. There's more. But now say, that's mine. That's mine. Everybody say, it's wild, but it's worth it. Amen? Come on, I want you to stand to your feet with me if you would. It takes a sense of a personal devotion to live this kind of a life. It takes a sense of personal devotion. Some of those 72, probably all of them, after Jesus ascended, they didn't know what was next. They didn't know how it was supposed to work. But they were told, go into Jerusalem and wait. Wait, wait for something divine to happen. Wait for something supernatural to shift. And they went, 120 people gathered in an upper room. And when they gathered in that upper room, the Bible says a wind blew in 10 days after they started. See, a wind is, is, is sweet in that it, it's kind of nice on a hot day. But wind that starts to blow hard tends to disrupt, changes things. That's what the Holy Spirit did that day. It was sweet, but it was also disruptive. It so disrupted things that as they got filled with the Holy Spirit, people began to wonder what is taking place. And these people are speaking in languages that we can understand, and they're not even from our nation. What's going on? There was disruption all around. And Peter stood up that day, and he preached, and he said, he said, this is the work of Christ. It's, it's wild, but it's worth it. It's wild, but it's worth it. And they said, what do we do? What do we do in response? He said, I want you to repent, which means turn around and be with Jesus. Be baptized, which is part of becoming like him. And then be filled with the Holy Spirit so you too will do the things that Jesus did. I actually have come to realize, church, that the book of, the book of Acts tells us again that the church the apostles built was an arrow factory. The call that went out in Acts 2 is the call the church lived in. The Bible says in Acts 2, they devoted themselves to it. And that's where I want to land the plane today, and that's my prayer for you. NTC, devote yourself to being an aero factory. Devote yourself to personal calling. Devote yourself to a mission mindset. <laughs> it's wild, but it's worth it. Father, I thank you today for your goodness, for your favor. Lord, thank you for this house, its legacy, its roots, the fruit that's gone out from this place all over this region. God, I thank you for every person who's online right now. Thank you for the work of Christ and the touch of the Holy Spirit that's even present in the room where they're at right now. 
I pray you'd fill them, bless them, empower them, and strengthen them. And if you're here right now and, and you don't know the Lord Jesus is your Savior, I'm going to ask you just to be bold. Come on, it's wild, but it's worth it. You don't know Jesus is your Savior, just lift your hand and let me pray for you. Just be bold across this room. Lift your hand. Lift your hand and let me pray for you today. If you're online, come on, let the online pastor know. I'm going I'm to receive Christ today. I'm going to take a step and be bold. If you're here, maybe you know Christ, but you just say, and I, I need the Lord to touch me like those believers on the day of Pentecost and, and shift my mindset. I, I need an encounter with the Lord so I can see the more. I kind of feel stuck right now, but I, I need to see the more. Come on, there's more. If, if you're in that place, just say, come on, let me know. Lift your hand. Hands all over the room. Father, I just thank you. God, thank you for those right now who are just being bold. Fill them. Lord, lift their eyes. Help break off the limitations and the barriers and knock their socks off this year in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you are working in this place and you're shifting mindsets to see the more in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, would you give the Lord a big hand today and just say, come on, we're going to be an arrow factory. Amen. Um, I just want to take, before we, we kind of break, um, can we just pray for Daryl and his daughter Mariah? Um, let's believe for miracles, right? Come on. So, Father, we just pray right now. As I lay hands on Daryl, Father, we know your Holy Spirit knows no distance. So, God, we ask right now for a miracle in her brain in this moment, God, in every cell of her being. God, we just speak um, to cancer and we command it to come under the authority of Jesus, to come under the kingdom of God. And so, Father, we thank you for the work that you've been doing, that you're continuing to do in her body. But, God, we just stand with them today in prayer, in belief, and in faith, God. We add our faith together. However that works in your kingdom, God, we ask for you to help our unbelief in the side that makes us doubt. But God, we just want to see your miracles in this place. We want to see your miracles in Mariah's body. In Jesus' name, right now, amen and amen. God, we just thank you for what you're doing this morning. God, we just ask right now that we would receive, that we'd have open hearts to be um, just whatever words were landed in us today, God, that they would imprint, that they would stay. God, that we would not forget that your Holy Spirit would remind us of the work you're doing and of the purposes you have. In Jesus' name, have a wonderful day. Be blessed, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.